series for the Celtics, so congratulations to uh, the team, staff, the organization. Um, great accomplishment. Look forward to seeing that um, play out. And um, also keeping track of Danny. Looks like he's one more, one more step to get the use open. So um, pulling for him. Um, but yeah, just uh, for on our end of it here, uh, just you know, another day is trying to stack some days together here of um, you know teaching and you know building on our foundation, you know fundamentals and and um, you know scheme installation. And so really, just you know one day after another here, trying to put one foot in front of another and you know keep moving in the right direction. But um, you know, it's good to see see those guys out there, and I think they're we're getting better. We just Got to keep grinding it out. Is the the scheme installation any different this year with Mac? Uh, just seeing him evolve, do you start to do things differently around him? Obviously on offense. Yeah, we're doing a lot of things different. Bill, to go back to what you were talking about initially, how valuable over the course of the time you've been here and all the success all the teams have had has been that kind of inter-team camaraderie? I mean, Claude Julian, we've skated around out here. All those occasions. Has it been a valuable part of your experience? Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it's been great going all the way back to, uh, you know, when Rick was here, when I got here, Rick Tino, and, uh, and Bruins, Red Sox, Celtics. It's been a great relationship with the, our players and their players and the teams and the coaches from my standpoint. You know, enjoyed really all of them. And uh, so, yeah, it's been great. Do you wind up sharing at all? With yeah, we talk. Coaching or personal? Yeah. How do you deal with this? Yeah, sure. There's some things in common. Both in Boston, pro sports or pro sports. You know, and then, then when some of those guys move on, uh, you know, like Doc or uh, Tito or, you know, Tony, mm -hmm. who was here, you know, obviously briefly, uh, Dave. Dombrowski, you know, Theo, guys like that. It's, you know, it's good to stay in touch with them even though they're different organizations. Still got both of the home team, but, you know, some relationships there that, you know, extend past, you know, past the initial um, introduction. On this Celtics team, I don't know how much you've been able to watch, but what, what have you observed from them that maybe you could apply to, whether it's your own team or any <coughs> team? Well, I mean, obviously they they played great in the last uh, two thirds of the season on uh, the playoffs, and um, you know, really consistent. They got a lot of good players and play really good defense. Well, they're tough. They hustle. Play smart basketball. Pleasure to watch. Fun to watch. Bill, how, how often do those conversations with coaches from other sports extend into just how to communicate with the, the modern athlete, for lack of a better phrase? I don't know. Just a lot of things that come up. I'm not sure. I would think that would be one thing that would just kind of cross the Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. I don't know. Some other things. Bill, speaking of uh, conversations with uh, other coaches or executives, uh, you have Ron Wolf 
the last practice we were able to watch. Uh, what's it been like you know, now with Elliot on staff, but maybe sharing more experiences, insights with Ron? Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, Ron's awesome. Um, yeah, he's uh, you know one of one of the guys who really has um, one of the founding fathers of scouting. You know, one one of that group. You know, Gilbrand, and, um, and of course his experiences in, in Oakland with um, you know Al Davis, and then of course the Packers. But you know, he brings a great perspective to, and totally you know unbiased. You know, wasn't part of any of the acquisitions of any of our players, but they're all just here and you know, kind of his thoughts on them. And, um, very interesting to get, you know, what he thinks because there's no, you know, bias for any reason one way or the other. And, uh, yeah, so he's, you know, he's been great. You know, Ron and I have talked about a lot of things, you know, not related to football. You know, we were on the top 100 committee together and that was you know, really interesting to, you know, get his insights into a totally different um, you know, team and perspective. Um, I think we saw a lot of things the same way, but it, you know, there's things he was more familiar with, and vice versa. And so that was really fascinating to to talk to him about some of the players that had, he'd been with, and and what they were, and guys they competed against. And so that was yeah, no, it was great to have him here. Hopefully, he'll come back. You mentioned the scouting and. It's funny, Daniel Jeremiah, I'm sure you know, a long time ago he put out a, something you had with Cleveland, prototypes for all the different positions. And to look at that and see the way it's evolved now, I remember this year at the, the draft, Zach Cox put out a thing about how Taekwon Thornton is the, is he the lightest player? Uh, yeah, lightest receiver, I think. Yeah. Lightest receiver you draft? It's just an evolution of the game in scouting. Do you look at the way the game continues to evolve, the game on the field, which makes you guys have to react and, and see the interest? Yeah, we change that every year. Those profiles? So whatever. Yeah. And their values. Like what a third receiver was when that was written and what a third receiver is now and a third corner, for example, or fullback or, you know, positions that have been are, are higher percentage play times versus lower percentage play times. That significantly changed the values. I think you see that in the um, salary structures, and we kind of you know look at that as well at the end of the year. Like what positions are, you know, how does that look just economically? Because that is a sense of a value, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, league-wide. And then we can do whatever we want to do, but it, it certainly gives you a perspective on how the league values certain positions understand that the quality of the player at that position has a lot to do with it as well. But, you know, you start to average it out and things like that. And, you know, you can look at, you know, different, you know, three-year cycles, five-year cycles, ten-year cycles, whatever you want, and, you know, see what the what the value of the players is league-wide. And, and we can look at what it is with ours. Again, you know, some players you probably have to exclude because of, they're extremely high value, which could skew it a little bit, but still, it's it's they're all relevant. So, yeah, we, we're constantly adjusting it. Yeah. Bill, speaking of the evolution of the game, um, curious about kick returns and touchbacks. Understanding that the rules have kind of depressed the impact there of certain returners with more touchbacks or just fewer yards returned. Does the role of someone who can be elite in that skill set, because it's just harder to overcome those circumstances, provide still as much value as he might have? 
15, 20 years ago in terms of if you have a player like that who can gain an extra few yards or give you an extra few percentage points more likely to score? Is that still something that's has value in today's game despite the overall depression of the impact of the role of return? Yeah, no, of course not. <coughs> can't, you can't get on the ball. I mean, we had the best kicker of return in football, and CP mostly saw touchbacks. And the ones he brought out are, you know, eight, nine yards deep. Now he had a big play for us, you know, at the start of the Super Bowl. But, you know, that's, there's just not many opportunities. They can, most teams can take him out of the game. So, no, it, it doesn't have that same value. Does it do the same on the other side for guys who might be specialists in terms of covering those plays? Yeah, well, it's just in general depressed the whole special team's value because of number of plays and, and the, the skill and the ability of the specialist that's kind of overridden whatever you have or don't have in terms of your coverage. Punters, really good at placing the ball, hang time, just a lot fewer opportunities. Now, you know, here at the end of the year with the weather and all that, I mean, you're, you know, you're going to get more here than you will at some other places, but still not what it used to be. So we see a lot of teams, both in college and the NFL, have gone to run game coordinators, pass game coordinators as titles. Are those just new titles on jobs that have always existed, or has there been a change from what you've seen in coaching that led to those titles? I have to ask them. So you've never talked to coaches that maybe had a run game coordinator and had kind of how the, that change goes? Um, you'd have to ask those teams why they, who does what, or I don't know. I couldn't speak for some other team organization. On a Malcolm Butler, how much does his practice approach look similar to you from what you saw when he was here before? Yeah, Malcolm works hard, like he always has. Very competitive. You know, they're scrapping for balls. And, yeah, I think his, yeah, his aggressiveness and play style and all looks, I mean, we're not pads, but yeah, it looks like it's about the same. When you're evaluating a guy like that who's taking a year off or roughly, um, what are some of the challenges in deciding whether they're ready for a return, whether they can be a contributor in their return? Yeah. Well, we dealt with a lot of that last year. You know, those guys that came back from opting out, you know, Hightower and Bolden. I mean, on multiple guys. So. Case by case. Bill, uh, Josh Uche um, hasn't played a ton in his first couple of years here. Uh, Steve called him a big piece of the puzzle for this defense. Um, and last week we saw him line up inside, outside. Is, is that because you're, you're trying to figure out where he's best? Or do you think, despite not playing a lot to this point, that he's capable of wearing multiple hats for you guys on defense? Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I think he'll. I agree. I think he is a big piece of our defense. We'll see exactly what it turns out to be. <coughs> he has that inside-outside versatility, similar like we've seen Dante in in uh, in the past. Bill here. I mean, I think it's stretched to compare hard most everybody to Hightower. I mean, talking about one of the best linebackers that's ever played here. So. Would you would you welcome Dante back for this season? 
Yeah, we'll just talk about the players that are on the team right now. Have you been pleased with the way this rookie class has come in and kind of uh, acclimated itself? Yeah, I think they're trying. You know, they have a long way to go, like all rookies do. Um, they're trying. They're getting better. Still a long way to go. Um, you know, some of it's football. Some of it's being a professional athlete. Some of it's you know, adjusting to the lifestyle and the say the demands, physical and mental, that you know they haven't faced before. Certainly, the competition is. You know, the big, a big step for some more than others, but it's a big step for all of them. It's a giant step for some of them, and for others, it's just a big step. But either way, yeah. Bill, um, two final questions. Just wanted to get back to that topic about the sort of changing values of certain positions and changing prototypes. Would, at the receiver spot, would the ability to create explosive plays be something that would be more highly valued now than it was, say, in the 90s, I just remember talking to. Um, no, no, I don't think so. Okay, I remember. It's always a pretty high value on that. I just remember um, having a conversation with Kevin Kelly when he was at Pulaski Academy. He said that the numbers sort of indicated that, at least this was at the college level, I think. So I don't know what the numbers are for the NFL. Explosive plays were sort of right there with turnovers, in terms of being predictive of who wins and loses games. Is that? Yeah, I think it's always been, well, I'm not sure about wins and losses. That's probably true, but certainly scoring. If you, you know, if you have an ex give up an explosive play in a drive, they're going to score. And if you get an explosive play in a drive, you're going to score. I mean, that's what the stats would definitely back that up. And if you don't have one, then the reverse is true. So I think those have always, not sure about the exact numbers on it. I'm not going to sit here and say that I've got those memorized because I don't, but yeah, that was, we talked about that at the Giants. So that was how many years ago? 40? I, I don't think that's fundamentally changed. I mean, the the Roy Greens and the, you know, the, the real explosive players um, that we played against, you know, Gary Clarks and guys like that, that Seemed like they were averaging 20 yards a catch. I don't know if they were or not, but it seemed like it. Um, yeah, those guys are a real problem. Is it, is it true that you passed along some tips to Danny Woodhead to put him in position to potentially qualify? No, I'm just pulling for him. Yeah, he's relying on me, being in a lot of trouble. <laughs> All right, thanks. <laughs>